I've always like had this real problem with the notion of work-life balance because the the idea that work and life are these two separate ideas just doesn't compute to me. Like I don't I don't die for eight hours a day and then suddenly like return to life after. I mean, sometimes some jobs I felt like I die for eight hours a day, but. Hello, I'm Fiona. And I'm Tristan. And welcome to the Versed Kaiser Scenario. The podcast where we find out just what happens when you quit your day job with no other job to go to. Which is exactly what I've just done. Oh no. Uh oh. Good morning, Fiona. Morning. I want to start today by saying Happy Halloween. Mm-hmm. However, that's ridiculous because by the time this gets out there, it'll be like three weeks later and Halloween will have been and gone and we'll be like, almost ready for a Christmas episode. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, happy Halloween, but you're probably listening to this in, like, the middle of November or December even, so ignore me. Well, that, that's uh, you <laughs> being slow to process the... Uh... No, man, I've got a backlog of these things. I've got, like, four <laughs> or five ready to go. Okay, no, that's not true. This is episode five. Yeah, wow, that's gone quickly. We've been doing this for five weeks now, which means it's five weeks since I left my job. Five weeks of doing this pod, and we still haven't bought a microphone. <laughs> no, we haven't. We probably should. How's the sound, do you think? Um, yeah, I actually think it's okay, to yeah, be honest. Yeah, it's fine. It's better than Joe Rogan or any of those other dickheads. Like, it's pretty good. <laughs> Using a, a, an eight-year-old laptop. <laughs> hey, this is a good computer. <laughs> and we have a duvet wrapped around it to uh, muffle the sound. Yeah, I mean, people go to studios and shit, and we are doing this literally in my office yeah. with a with a, a doona. I'm sorry, we don't call it a duvet where I'm from. With a doona. To protect the uh, the uh, microphone from echoes from the walls, but it's, it's a, working, man. Yeah, and this is MVP. This is classic. We've spent zero money whatsoever. Yeah. Okay, so MVP. What's that? Tell tell our listeners who don't know. Minimum viable product. And what does that mean? It means the absolute minimum you can build to. Well, the the the, the, the minimum you can invest to make a product, I guess. So it's like. The crappiest, product. scrappiest version of what you have in mind. Yeah, exactly. Like you want to build a race car, it's a skateboard. Yeah, yeah. Cool. All right, yeah, this is MVP. And I am the MVP, most valuable player. No, <laughs> most valuable podcaster. <laughs> you are. If you do a good job on this pod, maybe next week you'll be the new most valuable podcaster, the MVP. Out of the two of us. Out of the two of us. Okay. Right now, uh, it's me. What makes you so valuable? I have feedback. You had feedback. I had loads of feedback. And it was all about you. It was all about me. They were saying, Fiona's okay. Really? But oh, if, maybe you could do this podcast on your own. Well, maybe I will. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You're the MVP. <laughs> you are the most, you're the MBP, the most that? beautiful podcaster. Oh. After cheesy. me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we've got a really exciting pod today. Uh, we're going to chat on a few topics, but then later on, I've got a really cool dude uh, coming on the show to talk about designing your life. Yeah, I actually used to work with him. He's a legend. Yeah. Um, he's got a really cool voice, actually. This might yeah. sound like I'm um, massively fangirling him, <laughs> but uh, I love his voice. Yeah. I think he's going to upstage upstage me later when I interview him. Yeah, on the pod, I think so. Because I've got this terrible... No one's quite sure what my accent is. Maybe it's Australian, maybe it's English, maybe it's like somewhere in between. No New one knows. Zealand? 
don't you dare. But he's got this very cool, I don't know if it's London, South London or yeah, something. He sounds like J- Jason Statham to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, all right, you guys. Not quite. How like you that. doing? I think we should compare your your getting on the pod impersonation of him to uh, his own. We're gonna talk about designing your life in it. Okay. I think you need to work on your accent. All right, we'll get him on. We'll compare and uh, and and we'll go for it. But uh, first of all, Fiona, you were going to talk to us today about saying no. Yes. Yeah. So saying no is something that I find very difficult. Why? Because you're a yes man. Yeah, well, I I was trying to dig into this actually with my manager, why I don't like saying no. And I think it's because I like to please people and I don't want to disappoint people and let them down. Dude, you say no to me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a lot of practice with you. <laughs> but And I think it's easier to say no to somebody you know really well. Mm-hmm. But when it's somebody who you don't know, maybe it's a potential client, yeah. maybe it's um, someone you're trying to impress, maybe it's your boss. I think it becomes very difficult to say no sometimes. Cool. So we're talking about saying no in the professional context, not in the let's go upstairs, no. wink, wink no, no, context. No. Okay, no, cool. I'm not going there on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> One day we will. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so I was going to talk about when I started out freelancing mm-hmm. and at the beginning this was back at the beginning of 2020 I was just starting out my freelancing career yeah. and I guess I was looking for clients and I had a few clients be referred to me mm-hmm. and at that time I was trying to grow my business um, I wasn't earning uh, a huge amount of money or right. anything like that so I was very conscious I'd left a, a well-paid full-time job and I was kind of on my own. Yeah, well. And it was daunting. It was scary. And so I said yes to every client. Everyone every who came your way. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. It didn't feel like I was in a position to say no. Now, I think at the time, it probably was the right thing to do to say yes so that I could learn which were the clients that I wanted to work with what types of clients I maybe mm-hmm. didn't want to work with um, but it taught me a lot and in the end I, I was able to become a bit more picky now I still find it in, found it incredibly hard to yeah. say no and sometimes it would take two or three calls with that person. So people were pretty persistent. They're like, yeah, 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 exactly. But I think sometimes it's better to say no, even if it's like a really well-paying paying client. But if they don't work in the way that you want to work, yeah. or if they're asking for unreasonable things, or um, if you think that they might be a difficult client, right? Sometimes it's better to say no. What are you saying no to though? What are some of the examples of the things that came your way that you were like, yeah, nah. Well, often it was clients. Mm -hmm. Um, Clients themselves. Not not necessarily the bit of work they want done, but the actual client. Yeah, so they would maybe, um, yeah, there was this one lady in America. um, She she wanted me to design her marketplace, Mm -hmm. and she sent me this big, long contract, um, and I was not happy with the contract. Oh, yeah, it was like 40 pages, all legal mumbo-jumbo. Yeah, and she wanted me to have very specific types of insurance, which actually UK freelancers couldn't get. It was very much catered to the US oh that's pointless um and yeah just all sorts of unreasonable things about you know unlimited 
uh, revisions mm-hmm. and clauses where she didn't have to pay me if she didn't wasn't happy with the work and all this stuff. And I thought, well, that's very subjective. Good luck to her. <laughs> yeah, I, I just felt like this is this is opening me up to doing so much work and then the potential of not getting, not getting paid, paid through no fault of my own. So I said no to her. Great. Any other examples? That was a really good one, by the way, but any others? Yeah. So weirdly, um, it happened twice to me. Mm-hmm. I was asked to be somebody's co-founder. Like by startup founders. They're like Startup founders who had an established business and they were solo founders. Yeah. And it's happened twice. I just can't. These guys it. had raised money too, right? Um, one of them had. Um, one of them, I think, was a wealthy individual who would be funding it himself. Right. Um, but yes, the f- the first person who asked me had actually received funding, and um, I guess at this point we hadn't even worked together. Yeah. <laughs> so he'd found me online. Um, he'd seen my portfolio. He'd seen some of my work, and he obviously really liked what I did we had a conversation well, obviously your portfolio is excellent yeah <laughs> well it's all right and <laughs> we had a we had a chat and he thought yeah we gelled we connected really well and I think he thought you know I actually would like this person to be my Far co-founder out. your portfolio must be mint <laughs> chef's kiss Thank you. <laughs> That's incredible. So some dude just came along, some rich dude just came along, saw your website. This is a different guy now. Who are we talking about? The the American guy. Right. Yeah, exactly. So this, this rich guy. American dude yeah, yeah. just came along, saw your pro- portfolio, had never worked with you, like fell in love with your work, reached out to you and said, hey, can I give you half my company? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> well, they didn't say half my company, but when they said I'd like you to be my co-founder and then we got into discussions and he was open to giving me half of the company without any upfront investment from you no buy-in from you all his capital he wants to give you all of this basically he's trying to pay you in equity rather than in in cash or was he going to pay you in cash as well um that's a good question I don't think we ever reached the discussion of salaries and things like that and and I don't think they would have been able he would have been able to have paid me a salary until the company was making money so why did you say no to this particular opportunity so it came down to well two reasons firstly the founder himself he was cuckoo right he he was a bit crazy yeah <laughs> and I didn't feel like I particularly connected that well with him um he had some really crazy ideas of what he wanted to do with the business mm-hmm. and he wanted me to model it out in a diagram and I I basically played it back to him um what he wanted to build and it was just so wild it was ridiculous and I didn't believe in the product I didn't believe yeah. in the mission and I also thought he was a bit crazy so he was if I recall correctly super name droppy yeah he was always dropping names I know like this Tim I know Cook Mark Zuckerberg and, yeah. Tim, well Tim Cook as well yeah just you know and, and I, I got to the point where I wasn't quite sure whether to believe him or not yeah he sounds like he's either like a crazy genius savant widow or a scam artist well i don't know i i didn't feel like he was a scam artist um i don't know maybe it's a cultural thing maybe americans are a bit more showy whereas brits are a bit more reserved about that type of thing i don't know i don't know maybe he did have those connections yeah far out but to me because 
I, I, I don't know many people who have those kinds of connections. Yeah. It seemed really outlandish, but, but it could have been true. From where I sit, if you had all those connections, why are you reaching out to a UX designer in yeah. another country? In the if UK. you know Tim Cook, why don't you get on the phone and say, "Yo, Timbo, yeah, got any exactly. sweet Apple designers I can yeah. I can nab for this yeah. this amazing product I'm building." Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Why? And the thing is, he hadn't even worked with me before. So I, I questioned his judge of character. Because oh, he, I questioned his judge of character too. <laughs> <laughs> like I, he doesn't know me from Adam. Yeah. And how can you offer somebody half of your business when you don't really know that person? You've not even had a trial period of working together. You don't know whether that person is any good or not. I could have just, you know, said anything on my website. Yeah, for sure. And he doesn't know if I'm if I'm telling the truth. Or I mean, half your half your website's made up, right? No, for <laughs> <laughs> real. Yeah, for real. Okay. So, what was the other time? Um. So the other time was a guy in the UK. Very similar situation. He was also building a marketplace, but he had received funding, mm-hmm. and he'd actually built a lot of it. It was live. He was taking customers already. Yeah. Um, this is a much more kind of normal usual yeah uh, as you would expect not so strange yeah situation exactly um and I think I took this one quite a bit more seriously I thought about it maybe for a month or two months yeah um, whether I I was gonna do it or not we had many conversations Uh, we talked about how we would work together as founders what kind of company we wanted to build um but at the end of the day, the subject matter of the marketplace mm. was not something I knew anything about. It wasn't something I was particularly passionate about. Yeah. And some of the features and stuff he wanted to add, I wasn't sure if I really believed in. And so, again, um, I like the guy, um, but I don't know whether I really believed in the success of the marketplace um or if they ipo i'm gonna kill you (laughs) (laughs) no i I, it was definitely the right decision i did actually work with him after that was an empty threat by the way i'm not going to kill her i I like her too much (laughs) (laughs) but he um yeah we worked together i i designed several parts of his website uh, or the marketplace uh several user flows and things yeah um and actually he paid me in cash and partly in equity. So, so you ended up working did. together. And I have, yeah. I, I do have equity as well now. Oh yeah, so. cool. Um, so you said kind of no. <laughs> you said no to co-founding. Yeah. You didn't say no to is, equity. Which is very different. Sweet. So we're good if AIPO. <laughs> You'll well, be fine. You'll hopefully. be safe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So what has, what's the message then saying no? Why do you feel it's so important for freelancers or young entrepreneurs to be able to say no and and uh, move forward with their decision. Yeah, so I think it's really important because you can end up working on something which doesn't align with your values or doesn't align with what you're interested in. Um, I personally still find it very difficult to say no, but yeah. I think the more I do it, the easier it gets. Yeah. Um, I just hate disappointing people. I hate letting them down. I just find it very hard to say no. Yeah. But I've realized that saying no gives me the space and time to to find clients 
that I do want to work with and find work that makes me really happy yeah. rather than working with a difficult client or working on a mission that doesn't particularly interest me. So I come from a different school of thought on this. Mm-hmm. I get a massive kick out of saying no. Do you? <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, in my professional you know, career, I think as a data analyst, when I was working full time as a data analyst, saying no was half my job there were a lot of people who would come to you asking for help. And and um, obviously this is a different example than the entrepreneurial or the freelancer example. Yeah. But at work, if I'd said yes to everything that came my way, I would never, ever, ever provide any value for the organization. That's I would true. never get anything done. I was saying no probably more often than I was saying yes. And saying no to senior people, saying mm-hmm. no to and, – and ask, turning around and saying, what's the value in me doing that? Um, what will that achieve? And and really putting the onus back on the, on the requester. But were you not ever afraid, like, someone's going to think, oh, Tristan's really difficult, oh, you know, and, and maybe that Some people did hold you back in a promotion or something like that? Well, I think if you're consistently saying no to the wrong, to, to certain people, and you're saying yes to others, uh, then it could end up like that. But if you're saying did no... Did you have your favourites? Were there some people where oh, you're yeah. like... Oh, yes. Yeah, I'll man. always say that yes to this person. Definitely. <laughs> and that's the sweet, nice, friendly people who ask you in a nice way often. They, they trick yeah. you into doing work. <laughs> they but manipulate they you. They manipulate you, yeah. <laughs> but the people who – no, let's go back. I, I'm not consistently saying no to the same people just to be spiteful. I'm saying no because that person needs to demonstrate the value in me saying yes Yeah. or me getting someone on my team to go and do that work. If they come to me with a request and they've got – no kind of idea about what is the outcome that they want from this or what value that thing is going to provide, then two fingers up, go away. Don't waste my time again. Work it out yourself. We'll come back with an answer to my questions. Yeah. So yeah, saying no is really important. So you're not a people pleaser. Um, when I, yeah, sometimes. It, <laughs> I, I please people when I get to do the, when I get to do good work. Hmm. Yeah. yeah I don't please them just by doing what they ask I yeah. please them by giving solid outcomes yeah and by saying no to a lot of those requests you can put a lot more of your effort into the right ones exactly yeah and produce better work yeah brilliant so later today like we said you're going to be talking to Carl Carl actually that will be up next up next, I'm talking to Carl. Yeah. Yeah. Carl's a great guy. Stick around. He's going to be talking about designing your life. He's the kind of guy who left the corporate world, left, never really felt like he fitted. It, it, it suited him, that it fitted him right. And he just decided, F this, I'm leaving the corporate space and I'm going yeah. out and doing my own thing. And he is kicking ass. Yeah. So I'm really keen to get him on and talk about what it means to him to step away from the corporate space and design your life. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, I can't join the conversation. Good. But I'm really it's excited. It's just me and Carl. Yeah. You, I'm going to okay. fangirl. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, I think you'll have a really good chat, and I'm very excited to hear how you get on. Um, and I'll have to catch up with Carl myself sometime as well. He doesn't want to talk to you. Oh, fine. That's why we're doing it alone. See you, Carl. <laughs> Smell you later. <laughs> How you going? I'm good, buddy. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you so much for coming on our podcast. No worries. I'm excited to be here. 
which I've just learned you haven't listened to any of them yet. <laughs> no, absolutely nothing. That's uh, this. I'm, I'm making this the first one I listen to, of course. Of course, you're total, in it. Total vanity. You know? <laughs> Actually, that's funny you should say it because I was complaining on Twitter the other day that whenever you tell someone like you, you started a new podcast, the first thing they do is go and listen to like episode one. And I'm like, no. Oh, right, 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 right. MVP, come listen to <laughs> right. four or five, and then when we get better, because we were we were really shit back then. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Of course. That's all right. Uh, so, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, I mean, I mean, my name's Carl Martin. I'm a uh, in the in the simplest way version sense of words. I'm a coach. Um, yeah. I've been coaching since 2015 um, in varying capacities, and it's only more recently that I've kind of gone it alone, although somewhat not necessarily by choice, which I'm sure we'll probably talk about at some point. Um, yep. And in essence, uh, I'm now kind of exploring a world in which it kind of, well, what is it, what is being a, a one person business? What does this idea of this solopreneur that we kind of hear so much about? Um, yep. What does it mean to kind of operate in that world right now? So at the moment I'm building uh, kind of two coaching businesses, um, one called Life Might Work and one called Peerpod. Um, I'm actually helping my dad build his business, which is also like radically further away from the world of coaching, yeah. um, but funnel the same. Um, Let's slow down. Currently live. Let's go Say back again? to the beginning. Let's go back to the beginning. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Sorry, that was a lot. Yeah. That was a lot. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was too much. I, I, I stopped listening. Let's go back to the, to the to Carl. Where, where were you, let's say, before all of this, before you decided to go it alone to become a solo one-man business, solopreneur, where were mm. you just before the beginning of, of this new journey that you found yourself on? So I was working for a a, a, a scale-up company called Fairwill, um, who are this brilliant company um, kind of in, in the in the world of what they call death tech. <laughs> um, death tech not being like yeah. weapons yeah. of weapons of death. No, this death is like tech. death tech. Um, that is the uh, biggest name for an industry, of, by the way. I've ever yeah. Trying to, yeah, trying yeah. to bring, I work in death tech, yes. Um, but it was a lot about around like using technology design to kind of modernize a lot of, I suppose, these kind of products and services around the end of life. It kind of started out with wills yeah. um, and they've kind of moved into the world of kind of probate and now even funerals. And so lots of lots of thinking around how to to, to, to transform these quite archaic industries. Uh, yeah. So I was, I was, I was working there basically like as a coach and heading up kind of their L and D and some of their organizational culture stuff. What were you coaching them on how to build better death tech? <laughs> Not quite. Um, a lot of my focus in the kind of core business side of things has been a lot around kind of galvanizing support for managers and kind of leaders. Okay. And so when I was originally hired at Fairwell, I was, my, my single North star goal was to in effect level up all of the managers. So I was doing, um, designing and delivering management training. I was doing uh, manager coaching, both at a group level and also one-to-one. -one. So, I, was, I mean, I was coaching 40-odd managers on, on rotation. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was what my focus was then. So you're already a coach. You're a coach, coach by trade. Mm -hmm. Even when you had a, um, a nine-to-five, let's say, you were yep. already in this coaching space. And then what happened next? Well, what happened next was I uh, lost my job. Farewell... Uh, went through what ended up being, I think, the first of a couple of rounds of redundancy. Sadly, Man. as a, as a as a business that I think, for all intents and purposes, you could probably look at and see that they'd kind of grown in alignment with the pandemic, when there was certainly a hell of a lot more people dying and thinking about death, and therefore, as and when, do you know, what I mean? vaccine rollout and otherwise, as things started to maybe kind of level off, 
think that was an acknowledgement that maybe it was a bit too kind of big for, for where they were at in the journey. And so, so yeah, sadly lost my job. And to be honest, I, I felt really shit about it, but at the same time also felt really good about it. And that's because like, I felt shit because I always, I always reflect on farewell as probably like the best job that I've ever had, where yeah. it was like an amazing mission, cool people, great company, autonomy, a sense of real vision, a sense of try to be experimental yet with, all of those things in place, I, that experience actually made me realize that like I'm actually just not meant to have a job. So so <laughs> I, this could be a dream job, but I'm just also not made for a job. Yeah. Um, and so you've left the nine to five through no kind of fault mm, of your own. It's a redundancy, it happens, but yeah. it's giving you this kind of opportunity to have a realization that, you know, maybe, maybe that isn't the way I want to do it. Maybe that's not the right. But, right thing for me. i mean don't get me wrong it could be good for some people but for yourself totally yeah no I, 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 I think i think that's fair i think that the the big thing so I'd, I'd actually tried to build a startup back in 20 between 2014 and 2016 but i went the quintessential tech start where i want to be a founder i want to i want to be twitter famous <laughs> yeah exactly go and raise loads of money uh and anyway that i, I love I, I often say it crashed and burned but it didn't really crash and burn it was like the most underwhelming close to uh to a, anything ever it was just it was a bit of a whimper and that's because i couldn't raise any more money and that was it and well i mean my 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 health and well-being kind of went for a bit of a crash at the same time which wasn't very nice but and that's probably a big part of formed a lot of my ideas about work as it is today but yeah um i think i think for me like i'd always known that i i really enjoyed and thrived in a world where i was in charge of my own destiny yet that the way i went about it then was not helpful and so yeah. actually as and when I got let go from Fairwheel, I was like, right, this is the push I've needed to a get back working to my, for myself again, to design my own version of what work looks like, but more importantly, is to do it in a way that is actually sustainable because that other way just wasn't sustainable. So, what I gather from you, following you on on social media and so forth, is that work and life are kind of not distinctly different mm -hmm. things. Your yep. let's use the phrase designing your life mm. in such a way that work fits into it seamlessly is yeah. that how you would describe it Design yeah for sure for sure i like i I've, I've always like had this real problem with the notion of work-life balance because i mean first and foremost like the the idea that work and life are these two separate ideas just doesn't compute to me like i don't like, I, I don't i don't die for eight hours a day and then suddenly like return to life after i mean sometimes some jobs i felt like i die for eight hours a day but um but it's like it's not. No, I guess the employers starts coming up. <laughs> the um, and so and so for me, it's like actually like work is a part of life. But I think that the challenge comes with by the fact that you even call it life. Like there are so many other component parts, whether that's relationships, hobbies, family, creativity, uh, personal growth. I mean, there's there's all these other parts that for whatever reason aren't held on the same on the same kind of pedestal that kind of work is, and so. Uh, I think I think for for me, I one of, one of the the big drivers that I've been trying to um, kind of push for myself in recent years is to go like right, I I want a life where I enjoy my work and everything else that kind of makes up life, but work life balance doesn't feel like a valid aspiration. So what does feel like a valid aspiration? Yeah, and so that's for me is at least having history of being a designer years ago and working for design agencies. For me, it was like there's so many of the like principles of the design world that you can bring to. Um, 
that you can bring to the idea of your life, where it's about experimentation and validating assumptions and all these sorts of things. And so I've just been trying to do in the in the in the most recent years the best job I can of going like, right, how do I design with real intention what I want life to look like and what part does work play in that? So you're working backwards from your vision for your life, mm-hmm. how you want your life to look. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like you're saying, this is how this structure is going to look and function at the end of it. Now, what the hell do mm-hmm. I need to do to make that possible? Right, and that's work. Yeah, totally. Yeah, right. And, and I think I think I think that's the 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 thing I've some of my major reflections over over the over the course of the past few years as it relates to work is, I mean, first and foremost is the the inherent nature of my skill set just doesn't lend itself well to something that you would find on like a job spec. I've I've never in my life looked at a job and gone, "That's for me." Literally never. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I don't know. I make no assumptions about about everyone else. But um, the, but the, but the other thing is, I actually realised that I've co-created the jobs way more often than I've taken for granted. My last three full-time jobs. So that was when I worked for a company called Us Two in New York. When I worked for um, Forward Partners, the venture capital fund, and I worked for Fairwill. Every single time, I co-created the role in partnership with the business because they were like, "Hey." Either A, we're trying to fill these needs, or they said, hey, here's the role. And actually, I went to them and said, no, that's not what you need. You need something like this. And I kind of worked with them to, to kind of shape it up. Cool. I um, want to help them strategically to figure out what the hell they needed. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, I think... They're the expert. They're, they're, they're not. They bring someone in sure. who knows what they're doing, and you... Yeah. Totally. And so for me, like, I've, I've, I've realized, even with working for someone else there's still the capacity to mold and shape that thing into something that feels more aligned with what your, your, your core skill set, what you actually enjoy working on the types of things you want to work on. Um, and so actually to, to then have that, bring that same energy to the idea of a blank canvas of like, right, I'm not even, I'm not even working for anyone. I'm the only person who can decide what work looks like. Then yeah. I'm like, well, I mean, it, it, I can pretty much make anything that I want really, which is, is just an exciting place to be. Awesome. You just kind of raised an interesting kind of uh, idea there that I've been kind of thinking about for a while. And that's the concept of a high value skill set. I think you called it a core mm-hmm. core skill set, yep. but I've been calling it high value skill set. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. all of us, not, not everyone, but everyone in like kind of professional capacity has a skill set that they are getting paid for by their current employer. Yep. And I think what I find really weird is that people don't necessarily acknowledge or they're completely unaware of the fact that that skill set is not just valuable to the person who employs you. It's going to be valuable everywhere. Yeah. yeah Therefore, sure. the fact that you're getting paid by your employer solely to give them that basically a monopoly over this high value skill set mm. that you've invested time and money, education, and all of your years behind you into investing in, and you're selling it to this one kind of company. Yeah. Yeah. That has a concept kind of blows my mind a bit. Mm. Yeah, I've, I've, I've kind of talked about this a lot. Also, I call it like your superpower, where it's like the idea of like, if you have something that you're just like incredibly natural, like like incredibly gifted at, like something that is like really skillful and can create a lot of value for companies, then like I'd actually focus all your energy on like working out how to create as much access to that as possible. And in the spirit of it being your superpower, charge people through the bloody nose for it. Like, I'm like, I, I, 
um, like for like I like I know I'm a good coach, and that's not just from like some overconfidence. That's through the fact that like through everyone I've worked with, from kind of CEOs and VPs through to kind of graduates trying to work out where they want to go with their career, um, every single person I've ever worked with says that I've had like a fundamental impact on the trajectory of their life. And so, <laughs> I like for me, it's like for me, for me, there's the the evidence there to go like, well, actually, like. I, I can charge this and I and I can choose to charge less when I want to charge less, but like, I'm not going to devalue that just to make it more appealable to as many people as possible. Um, but in that spirit, there's obviously going to be places where you can charge more or justify charging that level versus places where you can't. It's easier for me to go to a CEO and say, I charge 500 pound an hour for coaching versus a graduate career changer who like, or graduate trying to work out from their, where, where their career is going. Like, do you know what I mean? That's just like a bit unreasonable. Yeah. But if like every now and then, I mean, more often than not, if I if if I have someone like come across the, my radar, who I'm confident to be able to help them with, I'm more often than I do it for free. I've done it a couple of times now where it's just like, it's two, three sessions max. You just want to help them wrap their head ar- around yeah. a few ideas and you kind of send them on their way. If they went to a really posh uni, then you could probably charge oh, them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I always look at the CV first, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, 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 but for me, that's born from being crystal clear on like what is actually your superpower. Like, I think the one thing that I've learned from since I've been in, um, working for myself is I originally set out where I tried to basically do what I did for a job and do it in consulting. And yeah. so I was like, oh, I do a little bit of this and I do a little bit of that and a bit of that. Da, 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 da. And lo and behold, no one wants to work with the guy who does a little bit of everything. Right. But like the person who goes, I'm a fucking brilliant coach or I'm an exceptional um, product designer or I am wh- whatever it is where, where, where there's like a clear enough, like this is specifically what you do and here's the way in which I do it. Um, that's where there's, for me, there's real, there's, there's real power and potential, you know? I like that. But you did earlier talk about experimentation and, and coming into your, kind of solo one-man business uh having to try different things until they get there so i understand mm-hmm. that you've arrived at a position where you can now say i'm this thing and i'm the best motherfucking version of that thing <laughs> planet but did you did you know that that's where you would get to at the beginning or did you experiment and try different things to get there so i suppose like the the, le- the level the level of confidence in my ability has been there pre this this is something that i knew and understood from when i was in work anyway which is which is a good place to be um but the thing that has taken some real experimentation and some real kind of considered effort is is actually like working out how to package that up so when i when i talk about this for, for as an example like especially in the world of coaching right now and maybe this and this would be the similar for most people in a lot of other jobs but it feels like really well saturated. It feels like every man and their dog is a is a is a coach nowadays. Um, and so more often than not, what people do is they go online and they go, right, how do you brand and market yourself as a coach? And it's like, oh well, like they all have these like these the same looking uh, headshots, the same what I call literally like the coach font is on every website. Right. It's kind of handcrafted. It's all I think it's on wedding invites a lot as well. Um, <laughs> every coach, they all say that they do the same thing. Um, and there is like zero cut through. Uh, there's like real, it's really hard to find a meaningful way to stand out. And so I felt like one thing that I wanted to do, especially with a learning from when I worked on my startup before was I knew that like whatever I built, I knew I didn't want to actually be about me. I wanted to, I wanted to be about 
the thing. I wanted the value to be created within the context of this external thing that I just so happened to contribute towards. The two which have kind of bubbled to the surface is kind of Life Network and, and PeerPod. But I mean, there was one, the most notable one was one called Voice Note Coach, which was basically like, had this kind of thesis that still I feel is pretty strong. Um, and actually I work with some of my clients in this capacity where it's basically like you pay like a subscription fee and I'll, 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 we'll, our entire coaching relationship will be based through voice notes on WhatsApp. Um, yeah, so you like, just bombard me with thoughts and then I'll, I'll, I'll share you coaching guidance back basically. I just want to quickly double click on this one. I love hmm. this idea. You actually told me about this last time we caught up. <laughs> right, right, right. I thought a lot about, about, the concept, mm. not necessarily your idea, and um, did a little bit of research, and I found that there's something uh, in the United States that's similar in, right, in right, the right. model. It's about nutrition, and you'll have a nutritionist be your coach, and every week or month, it's, it's, it's Noom. It's not. It's not Noom, is it? No, it isn't Noom. It's not oh, Noom. Okay. Um, Noom's, I think, app based. This one's literally just you get a WhatsApp, oh, okay. you get, right, you get right, a phone right, call, right. or you get a voice note from them, and it's like, be good today. Make sure you eat your veggies. <laughs> That kind of thing. Yeah. And people pay for it. And I'm like, oh, mm. that's sick. And then I, you know, took the idea like one step further and like, I even posted this on Twitter to see if anyone would think it was a good idea. Zero. Total bagel. No one thought it was a good idea. Um, I wanted to be like a motivator and I would, right, 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 people right, right. would subscribe to me to, because uh, obviously, you know, I'm super happy, go lucky that every day <laughs> I could ring them up or send them a text or a video of me just saying, you're the best, <laughs> I love you, you whatever it is you gotta do there, you're gonna get it done, let the distraction away, just own it and you know, go for it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. you got this smiling grin just like coming down your phone and I thought, chef's kiss, that's a great idea. But but no one else did. No, no, I mean, I'm, I wouldn't have signed up myself personally, I have to be pretty uh, honest. So. Okay. <laughs> I think, but, but, but I think, um, like the fundamentals stand true. Like there's actually a business, um, I think they're called Shine Text. They were acquired by someone recently and I've forgotten now. But in essence, it was the idea of, there was this kind of what felt like this kind of mini SMS boom at some point. There was like SMS commerce and all this sort of thing. But this was basically about like, um, kind of like self-care tips and everything. And they kind of blew up into becoming an app and everything eventually. But there's 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 so much to be said about like the inherent simplicity of, messaging as a mechanism through which to exchange knowledge share ideas whatever it might be um and, and, I, and I still think that coaching in any sort of capacity um could could be really powerful through that and as I say that's why at the moment like I do a lot of I have it as a little bonus ad for any of my people who do what's more of like my kind of executive level kind of coaching tier where like we have a regular recurring session every month but they have two things they have one the ability to stick a 20 minute uh, thing in my diary pretty much at, at the shortest as two two hours notice and the other thing that they have is they have voice note coaching which is like they can just bombard me with the thoughts and if i pick it up and i hear it i'll get back to them uh, and so th this is i suppose this is also a all broader part of representation like how i'm trying to mix up the nature of what the coaching relationship looks like i'm not trying to be too bound to the old the old ways of doing things and, and starting to think about like right what feels like a way to to the design coaching products that feels like they're really targeted at the 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 people who I'm trying to kind of speak to and, and create value for. Yeah. Awesome. So um can I get a little cheeky? No numbers. This isn't my first million. Yeah. Have you how have you done? 
you've left corporate life where you've got a monthly stable income where uh you know every yeah, 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 of, the yeah. of the month you get however much how has life treated you since leaving the nine to five on the whole really good okay sweet <laughs> done <laughs> no, but, but but that but that but that comes with a lot of a lot of subtext one thing that i've had to get used to is the irregularity of income uh, I, I've had my, my best month was I think an 18 grand month, which was, I think three, three contracts. Three kind of coaching. Con- oh no, no. So sorry. Yeah. Um, no, 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 but like, but like, but that's also, but that's also probably like 40% if, probably even more of my income this year. Um, and so even though pretty much every month, I think bar one, I've had something land, um, it's, it's, almost, it's always always been kind of big chunky stuff or really tiny things so okay. i've not i've i've had to adjust to a world in which without that kind of familiarity you can have months where stuff comes in and then gives you runway for ages but i think the the, the main habit i'm trying to build for myself is establishing like a, 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 a what you might call like a business development rhythm like a bit of a sales process to kind of make sure that there's a considered effort going into everything that i'm trying to push in the hopes that when i have the good months I have the good months when I have the bad months, the good months have, have kind of covered me. I'm one of those. I've had a what? Sorry, cash fight. Yeah, but like got, gone to the bank, ATM. Got <laughs> the bank. <laughs> no, I wish. No. I wish. Sadly, it all goes. It all gets dragged into into mortgages and all sorts of stuff relatively quickly. That's the other thing. I've had to learn how to budget. I was not a budgeter before. I've definitely um, had to do that yeah. now. <laughs> no, that's awesome. All right. Um, well, uh, thanks so much for coming on today. I think uh, we probably will have to wrap up because I can't afford uh, Zoom. And- Full Zoom. <laughs> I saw the time <laughs> And the message came up saying you're going to get cut. That's fine. Wrap it up soon. So I don't want that to happen because that would be super awkward <laughs> if the pod just kind of ended abruptly. Yeah. The yeah. secret, the meaning of life is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I didn't know you were going to come here and give us this meaning of life. The gospel. So- <laughs> Now, normally, I apologize. We would have Fiona on the pod. Um, That's okay. Because of her nine to five. Actually, I want to talk about this just before we go. Fiona sure. couldn't make it on here because of her nine to five. And it's mm. 4.30 p.m. right now, which, by the way, is after hours for you. Mm. Because you have a rule. Yeah, I do, yeah. Tell us about that. I want to know more. Yeah, so... Uh, I, I live by, in effect, a set of principles that I've defined myself, and those principles, more often than not, are kind of supported by, kind of some some kind of informal rules about what my days and weeks and everything kind of looks like. Uh, and one and one of them is about, I suppose, in essence, like the sanctity of time. And and the reality is, is like when I'm working, I'm working, and when I'm not, I'm not. So when I choose to work, that is all I'm thinking about. That's all of my energy going into it, and I'm committed to and dedicated to it. Uh, and that also includes me working at the times which are conducive for me to work which is i start work at 6 a.m when i literally when i wake up i'm in my dressing gown i'm normally there for the first two hours hammering out doing my writing and then eventually i have my coffee and then carry on with the rest of my day but like the majority of my work is done pre 11 a.m but in that spirit uh, it also means that like the later i get into the day the more my kind of energy wanes and the more my attention wanes but also we get closer and closer to the time where especially like my partner for example she is in a nine to five and is kind of working the regular hours. And so the closer we get into that time, the less likely I am to have real time energy to sit down with her. And we spend our quality time together and we, and I invest in that relationship. And so I've just got to the point where I, 
I've, I've decided these are kind of non-negotiables. I don't have any meetings pre 11 a.m. And I don't have any meetings post 4 p.m. Mainly because I'm trying to protect my best productive time. And I'm also trying to be- protect my my kind of personal and relationship time. And that's Wait. it. Well, good. I love that. That's such a good approach. Uh, right. I, I block out lunch, so I don't have any meetings over lunch. <laughs> right, 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 right. Oh, no, I also, I, I give, I have, a, I have a two-hour lunch. Um, yeah, we do, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, um, but I also, more often than not, will exercise in that period as well, um, because I, I use it to fight the the slump that happens. That, well, having been awake from six o'clock, the the slump that starts to arrive. So exercise gives me buys me a few hours worth of time. Yeah, absolutely. Exercise is the boss. Yeah, yeah. All right. Really appreciate you coming on, and uh, nice. we'll talk again soon. Cheers, man. Nice one, man. Cheers, buddy.